the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Chair Two Leaders. My name is Danny Smith alongside Ben South, and uh, we're so glad to be back with you. Um, sometimes life gets in the way. We uh, uh, were not able to be with you last week, but we're glad to uh, be back and uh, excited to uh, share with you a little bit uh, of a topic that I think sometimes from the second chair, we um, either we don't get a lot of experience with or, or sometimes we just have to get uh, thrown into the deep end. And I'll elaborate on that here in just a bit. But before we do, uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Central Baptist College. They've been good friends of the podcast. I encourage you to check out their website, cbc.edu. There you can find uh, access to all kinds of information about different academic degrees. Uh, if you're looking at ministry, it's a great school to go to for ministry training, uh, being equipped. They have a number of majors that are non-ministry related um, that you can check out as well. Maybe you started a degree, but you haven't finished it. Uh, maybe you're a working adult and you're uh, wanting to go back to school. Check out their PACE program. Uh, all those things, Ben, are at cbc.edu. Uh, you can connect with an admissions counselor. You can find out information on financial aid. And uh, we are just grateful for Central Baptist College and uh, all that they mean to us. And so, uh, Ben, well, you know, I'm sorry that uh, we uh, had a little uh, uh, downtime, but uh, man, you've been busy. I think you're traveling even now as we speak. And uh, I'm sitting in the parking lot of our high school football game back behind me. So if you hear some band music, that's what's going on. But Hey, Ben, when you were at CBC, did you take a pastoral ministries class? Did we have that together by chance? We may have. I, it's been 20 years ago or so. If, if so, so. Okay, if you didn't have to get it years. Together, I, don't, I don't remember if we had it together. But yes, we did have a pastoral ministry class. And I think actually my father-in-law taught it. So he wasn't my father-in-law at the time. He is my father-in-law now. So that's how you got an A. I see what's going well, on. Well, I, 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 <laughs> I didn't do that because my father-in-law was also the Greek professor. So I, I usually told people that I married my wife so I could get a good grade in Greek. But then I realized after I was married that if I just needed to know something Greek, I'd just call my father-in-law. So <laughs> Yeah, it really is the best of both worlds. You got there a you wife, go. a good grade, and, and the resource to use. So. Well, you know, I, again, I, yeah, it has been a long time since we took that class, but, uh, you know, one of the things I always liked about that class and, and even specifically where I went to seminary, they, uh, we had to do all kinds of practical stuff, you know, here you are kind of a young college age student, maybe, uh, early twenties, mid twenties as a seminary student. And, you know, I remember having to write a wedding sermon and I'd never performed a wedding at the time, same thing for a funeral, but, one of the crazy things that we had to do is we had to do uh, baptisms and uh, we had to baptize each other. Now, I think that was my seminary class. That's why I was asking. I couldn't I was gonna say, exactly it, we didn't uh, where do that, that took class place. I had in undergrad. We didn't actually yeah, it, practice baptism. It's very awkward, you know, because here you are, you know, it's almost like, all right, next to, all right, you dunk him, come up now, you dunk him. And, 
and that was it. But and, I grew up in a preacher's uh, family, and in the summer, we practiced that in the swimming pool all the time anyway. So I had already had a little bit of experience once I got to college. Absolutely. And that should be another podcast, like stuff you had to do as a PK, like, you know, if the baptistry ever got stopped up, you had to, you know, or leaking or what, you had to crawl under it or jump in it and all that stuff. And well, you know, I, I bring that up because uh, sometimes in uh, the chair too, uh, you know, some, sometimes we don't think necessarily about our role in baptizing or maybe leading the Lord's Supper, uh, maybe having the back cleanup for the, uh, the staff if somebody's out of town and it was their responsibility. And so maybe on this podcast, we can just kind of kick that idea around and and uh, what does that look like? And and really, if it's okay, I'll kind of kick it to you because I know in your experience, last twenty years or so um, in a chair two position, what has baptism looked like for you in that regard? Well, at our church, honestly, the chair two leaders do the vast majority of the baptizing. It is a rare time when our lead pastor will baptize somebody and if he does it's typically a grandkid or a family member or someone who's just very close to him so mostly the baptisms at our church happen from people in the chair too and typically it's the one who has the closest relationship with them if it's children usually the children's pastor if they are youth a youth pastor college students college pastor adults there's a couple of us pastors who share that just a lot of times it's who they come to when they come and uh, present themselves as a candidate for membership at the church so uh we all do that now i'll say our baptistry is a lot different from your typical baptistry so you might need to actually um kind of give some insight here because our baptistry we don't the pastors don't get in the water we stand behind the baptistry and lean over into it now it's not uh, it's kind of like what you'd see in a lot of church plants with the tanks or those kind of things, except ours is built into the building. So we don't actually get into the water typically for our baptisms. So that's what we deal with and the kind of um, baptistry we have. It, we have to kind of walk people through it because it looks different and we're not right there beside them. So uh, we're not, we can't walk down with them. We can't, we're not there in the water with them. So we kind of have to do a little bit of training and walking through it. But there's still a lot of overlap that goes with helping people in baptism. And here's kind of what we do for the baptism. At our church, first, a member has to come present themselves as a candidate for membership, make a public profession of faith. After they do that, we as a pastor will usually sit down and talk with them before we schedule their baptism. We'll schedule it usually a week or two out. We kind of let them guide that most of the time we're putting it at the beginning of a service so that we can add it in almost any week we like to do it every week honestly and then we'll just kind of walk through and set that time and ask them hey here's where you need to be here's who's going to meet i'll meet you here i'll pass you off to the helpers that we have that go to the baptistry area and then they will help uh, you get ready we have t-shirts that we give them some churches use robes we've used those in the past um, and get them set up for the baptism. Then we'll go back up and meet with them right before the baptism and just talk through last-minute details. And Ben, do you guys uh, tend to communicate? Yeah, I know you mentioned, um, you know, like a young adult, uh, your senior pastor doesn't do a lot of the baptizing. So uh, does the youth minister tend to baptize the youth? Does the children minister tend to baptize? Do you all kind of keep it in those regards uh where do you as a missions pastor how do you kind of fit into that and uh, how do y'all communicate that with each other well typically like like i said it, it's who they go to who's closest with them and when we do schedule a baptism 
the pastor who is going to be performing the baptism is the one who does the communication that week. We have one pastor on staff, um, one of our other associates who kind of coordinates overall and just kind of keeps us on the same page, make sure we're all checking up. But the communication with the candidate goes through the pastor who's going to be doing the baptism. That way there's a consistency with the person who's giving them information and the person that's going to be there at the water with them. So that's kind of how we handle it. But then we have one uh, staff member who's the one who's just kind of checking and making sure who checks with the building and grounds to make sure there's water in the tank. And in a lot of churches, the pastor, the associate pastor or youth pastor is going to be the one who's going to have to go clean out and fill the water uh, in the tank anyway. So uh, you may not have all those steps. We do serve at a larger church, so there's a lot more steps that go into just the fact of getting the baptistry ready for um, for a Sunday baptism or whenever we're doing it, and you know, not just getting the water in, but making sure it's warm and heated, and, and all those things. Even are then the places that problems can arise. We've had issues come up with the heaters. We've had issues come up with the water. We've had issues come up with the candidates you name it, there's going to be a problem that comes up at some point with baptisms. Yeah, nothing like a nice cold winter day when the heater doesn't work for the uh, for the water. And, you know, in your smaller churches, from my experience, uh, you know, that we typically had deacons that kind of took care of some of the logistical parts of it, who's filling the tank. Um, and, you know, this is kind of one of the funny things, uh, how resourceful people are. We did have an issue one time with our water heater and the guy's like, man, I've got a trough heater that I use for my horses. He went home and he got it, he brought it and he warmed it up. And, uh, so, you know, problem averted, but thinking about that. So there's that communication part of like, you know, who's dealing with it, but you do have volunteers a lot of times, um, in churches, you know, I, I can remember as a kid, we had a couple of families in the church that when somebody was getting ready to be baptized, they always went out with them. They always seemed to have the towels. They always seemed to, you know, kind of point them in the right direction. And again, smaller churches, a lot of times you have those one or two couples that are sort of in charge of that. So how does that work um, logistically thinking about, okay, so a pastor's been communicating with them, but where are the dressing rooms? Is it a Sunday school class? Uh, Who's kind of helping folks get to where? The, how do you guys do that there? Um, what does that kind of look like? And as a chair two leader, how can we think about that part of it? Now for us, we typically will baptize. We typically just tend to do it in age order, youngest first. Sometimes that's not the case. Like this last week, we had an instance with uh, we had a child and we had two teenagers and we had two young adults who were being baptized. Well, typically we had done the youngest child to the oldest, but the parents of the teenagers were involved in a upcoming part in the service so that they could be there with their kids while they were baptized. We switched the order around, which kind of gave us some issues this week because we had five baptisms and we only have four changing rooms up near our baptistry. And I know that sounds like a, a, a big church problem to some people, but the layout of our building, our changing rooms are a long way from any other rooms that would be accessible for them to change in. And we kind of had to figure out some logistics of how's that going to work? Who's going to go when? Where can they change? And those type of circumstances um, up there for us, just the layout of our building makes it difficult for us to use any other room uh, without having to walk down a main hallway to get to uh, a, somewhere else they could change. We deal with all those kind of things all the time. Now, here's 
kind of going back to what your point, having that deacon or someone, if you're in the chair two leader and you don't have that person, that would be the first thing I would do is recruit a man and a woman who will be your baptism coordinators. They'll be your helpers. And you call them when you schedule the baptism as well and you get them ready. And they're the ones who can uh, go with the candidate to help them get ready. So you're not having to be back there to do that. If it's a early in the service baptism, you can still be out greeting people, welcoming people, doing first of the service things. If it's at the end, they can go and help them while you're wrapping up the service or the service is being concluded. And then also they stay with them and help them get changed. Um, and they they're help you with towels and they help dry the floors and clean up after those kind of things. Those will be great helps for you because I know at our church, we're very blessed. We've got a great team that does, takes care of baptisms. And after the baptism, they'll hand us a towel because all that's wet is our arms because we don't get in the water that we can dry off our arms. And then we say, hey, we just have a quick word with the candidates. And then we tell them, hey, here's this man, this woman, they're going to be up here to help you with anything. They'll take the towels, the things you need. And typically we go back to the service and we excuse ourselves. And then we've got the the deacon families, uh, happen to be deacon families in our church who are there to help wrap things up, help the candidate get down, get back out and to take care of that so we can go and tend to the other parts of the service. Yeah, I think that's good. I think as a chair two leader, um, I think sometimes the uh, just the little things of how to put the baptism into the order of the service, just like you mentioned, Mike, oh, you know what, this time instead of just going, you know, youngest to oldest, we, we've got an issue. So I think thinking through that, realizing that you don't want to wait till Sunday morning or Sunday evening, whenever you do your baptisms to think about that part. And then I think also, you know, because I've served in churches where as a chair two leader, as you know, the, the senior pastor will be like, Hey, you're baptizing this week. And then I've served in churches where, you know, you're off with the youth or whatever, and you never do the baptisms type thing. So whatever kind of church you're in, I think it's understanding a, uh, think through what that order is going to look like. Think through how people are involved, how you communicate it, because whether you're at a large church like Ben's at, or maybe you are the chair one and chair two leader, whatever it may be, just thinking through the logistics of a baptism, because I think at the end of the day, what we don't want to do, and I think what churches, I feel like from the churches I grew up with have changed, it is more of a significant part of the service. It really is a worshipful time. It's also a great time when you have lost family that comes to check this out. I'm amazed. There are people that here in my community that are unchurched, don't know the Lord, don't care anything about it, who go, oh yeah, I'm going to my nephew's baptism down in Colorado, or uh, people come to these things. So we want it to be uh, something that really makes sure that it's a worshipful moment, but also a witness to the gospel. And I think as a chair two leader, you could play a really important role. Now, Ben, let's talk about what we say, because we've all had these moments where we're not expecting to have to baptize, and we got to get ready to do the baptizing do you guys i mean you again your staff is a little bit different because you've all been together so long one of the things i always wanted to know was like hey what do you say because everybody has kind of a general uh script that they use um how do y'all handle that what 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 are some advice when we think about what we say and keeping that consistent so for me, how I handle that, I, we do it, all the pastors do it a little bit differently. And I don't think there is a, 
hey, this is not a scriptural baptism if you don't say these certain words, because it's the testimony and the by the authority of the church. So typically, we will just give a brief, hey, here's so-and-so, they came to Christ at home with their family, or they realized a month ago that they didn't really have a genuine relationship with Christ and want to profess him today. And then I'll usually ask them a question like, is that your testimony that you're trusting Christ? Get a simple question, yes. And then I will just simply say um, their name and say, based upon your profession of faith in Christ, by the authority of this New Testament church, I baptize you, my brother or sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're done. That's all. I, I don't say we're done, but that's that's simple. So we don't now get out. <laughs> all right, next. Uh, that, that's not really. We we don't just belabor the point of the words. I will say though, talking about making an act of worship. I remember one of my childhood pastors, one of my few pastors when I was growing up that wasn't my dad would always say at the conclusion of baptism, he would stand in the water and he would come to the front of the glass there and he would say, "See, here is water." What does hinder you from being baptized? If you believe with all your heart, you may. I thought that was just a really good way just to wrap it up simply and kind of just put the invitation back to the congregation from the baptistry. So that's always stuck with me for, it's probably 35 plus years now that I still remember that. And, and that was always a good thing, I thought. Yeah, no, I think so. I, I think any time that we can incorporate that worship and witness into it. it it makes it a much more significant thing uh, and yet again ben uses uh multiple decades there to age us as uh as we think about this so i appreciate that but you know ben, it is, the truth. that's right that's right we're open this is transparency and honest so ben have you ever had somebody step into the water and you think i'm gonna need some help with this person and i don't mean that critically i know that's gonna I'll never forget my dad had a deacon one time. He called him and said, hey, there's a guy that was saved. He's going to be baptized. This guy was like 6'9", 350 pounds, but just a big dude. And my dad was like, I need some help with him. So, you know, I, I've always thought, okay, it is a little funny, but really sometimes – there are special circumstances with people, whether it's uh, a disability, whether it's, you know, um, we, we baptized a young man a few years ago that uh, had some special needs and it took really, I mean, his parents were in the water. Now we were at a lake, so it was a little bit different, but his parents were in the water with us. There was two or three of us pastors because he was terrified. So um, yeah, just maybe a, a brief word about how we can best, I, I guess this goes back to logistics. It goes back to thinking through because we don't want someone stepping in the water and we go, I just dropped that person or they're going to have a meltdown in the water. Yeah. And if you're concerned about that, it's better to have help there than not and not need it than need it and not have it. I, I have it at our church a couple of times actually gone into the water behind the candidate. Like we will schedule them earlier, late in the service when we can turn the lights out afterwards and the service can go on. And then I'll, we've, I've come in or someone else has come in to help them up out of the water. Now, ours is different because we've got a seat they're sitting on so they can just stay there. And it's not a matter usually of losing them in the water, them going down, splashing, those kind of things because they're seated. So it's 
a little bit different, but we have had to send people into the water. I think it's good to have people there. Now, I have had a few times when I've baptized on mission trips, actually, overseas, and uh, one time it's specifically, I can think of in Guatemala, because the people we were baptizing, they were terrified of water because they live at high elevation they don't have a lot of deep pools of water anyway so they don't typically get in water and they were scared to death I mean they were petrified of the water and they were shaking the whole time and I thought I was they were just going to fall out of my hands they were shaking because they were so scared of the water um so we just had some people there who were helping and I just asked one of the pastors to stand then the other pastors who were there to stand and just help if I need help. And I've baptized, well, there are two of us baptizing before overseas. So there were just some of those type of things that you can. I think you just make plans where you can and be prepared for contingencies, especially if you have some concerns or someone who has disabilities, just have someone there, have them be ready. Maybe they don't get in the water unless they're needed, but they're ready to get in. They brought the clothes, they're dressed to get in the water if they need to. I think that's a good uh, plan just to have that in place. Danny, I got a question for you on that. When you baptize, what do you do with your hands? How do you hold your hands for baptizing someone? I had somebody ask me this past Sunday. He said, now I need to know, do you hold my nose or do I hold my nose? I was like, I don't touch noses. Yeah. I don't touch noses on yeah, Sunday nope. morning. <laughs> That's your I, job. <laughs> I don't, listen, I don't touch noses at all. <laughs> so I'm wearing gloves, touch my own nose. So yeah, that's a great, uh, that's a great question. So, you know, when same thing, when they're sitting in there, I'll have them sort of, uh, uh, I know you can't see, I, I just have them grab one of their wrists and kind of put their arms in front of them. And then uh, that way they can grab their nose. And I tell them, if you need to hold your nose when you go under, just when I, you know, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, when I, I'm going to, I'm going to grab your wrist as well. And my hand behind your back, that way I can kind of guide you in the water and out. So, I bring the hand that's kind of in the air down behind their back. I have my left hand on their wrist, pushing them under, and then I pull them up that way or vice versa, depending on how they're sitting in the, uh, uh, in the baptistry there. But yeah, I, I'm not a grab their nose. You know, my dad, you mentioned your dad, my dad used to have a clean handkerchief and that's key. If you're going to use a handkerchief, you use a clean one. Uh, and he would let them do that. And he'd kind of pull that over their nose and mouth. Um, and so, yeah, I just like them to kind of, hold their arms out, uh, hold that wrist. And that kind of gives me a good, and I tell them, Hey, kind of roll with me. I always tell them, make sure you go with me. Don't fight against me. Um, it's not really the time to make jokes. It's not the time to go, all right, I'm going to hold you under and count to three, one, 1,000, two, one, th you know, no time for that. Cause they, like I said, people are terrified of water, but that, that's typically what I do with my hands. You know, I see some people with one arm in the air, you know, kind of doing the uh, scripted part. I see some people that don't do that. Um, I don't think there's any one way on that, but I think you definitely want to let them know what to do with their nose, what to do with their hands, because you don't want flailing arms. And, you know, honestly, you just don't want to unintentionally, uh, you know, touch somebody <laughs> so i mean you just gotta that's a good point yeah what i typically do is i tell them i'm gonna put my hand in front of you my palm in front of you i want you to put both of your hands in it and when i get ready to go down to take you under the water i'm gonna lift that to your face and you hold your nose and i'm gonna take you back mm. and lift you back up and i you know because ours are seated so i say put your feet against the seat and then lean back and then do a sit-up that's what you got to do but one point yep. of note, and I think this is whether they're seated and you're not in the water or 
if you're in the water with them, put your dominant, stronger arm hand on their back. That way you have more strength to help them back up. Um, and so we, at our church, we have, we baptize a couple of different directions, depending on who is baptizing. Uh, but use your dominant hand on their back. That'll make it a little bit easier for you. If you're in the water, I would also tell them, no, don't lock your legs because they're just going to become a plank and go over. They need to kind of not stand side, side to side knees, but if they'll kind of, you know, put one foot in front of the other and bend their knees a little bit and kind of, that'll give them a little bit of a brace as they go back. That'll help you be able to get them up as well. Yeah, I think that's really good. And, uh, you know, it's little things that you don't think about. And again, as a chair too, because sometimes you're not doing a lot of the baptisms. Maybe you're only doing it every so often. You know, it's kind of like the old preacher sermon in the mirror or record, practice, you know, grab your kids and practice in the swimming pool. Um, it's just, you know, it's a special moment. Again, the worship and the witness behind it, we really want to be paramount. And uh, it's not a time to, to be jo jovial in the sense of being uh, kind of flippant about it. Yeah, it's celebratory for sure. And, you know, uh, listen, I've had people come up out of the water and hug me. Uh, I've had people come out of the water, put their hands in the air. I've had people come out of the water and the church start clapping. So there's a lot uh, of, there's just a lot of peripheral things happening right there. And so, and I'm thinking, like you said, dominant hand, where are my hands going? And uh, I think that's really important. So yeah, I, some good thoughts, I think. Yeah, you mentioned hankies a while ago. One of the things that our church does, we have a lady in our church who just uses that as part of her ministry. And for every person who's going to be baptized, she embroiders uh, a hanky with the church name, their name, and the date that they're baptized for them to have as a keepsake. Some of them use them. We let them. We don't make them use them, but some of them use it for their baptism. Um, that's a, just a special touch that someone can can do. So, Danny, have you ever had any funny things happen during baptism? You know, um, yeah, I've had kids. Kids tend to be the funny ones. Um, I've never had the kid do the cannonball in, like kind of made the rounds on social media a few years ago, but I've had kids just, just jump in uh, from the first step in. I've had, uh, you know, kids that just start, you know, smiling and laughing and having a good time. But I, I'll tell you, so this isn't a funny thing that happened, but um, something I, I started doing uh, at, uh, I don't know, eight or 10 years ago is you know, we never had a children's minister at the church that, um, that I was a pastor at, but I would let the dads a lot of times, if it was, a, uh, there was some, obviously some qualifiers for me, you know, but, uh, some guys that were faithful believers in our church, faithful to the Lord, faithful to the church. Sometimes I would let them um, baptize their kids and, and really use that. Uh, and that was always a real sweet moment and, uh, things like that, but no, I've never had, I, I gotta be honest. I've never really had anything where I thought, oh my goodness, I can't believe that just happened. Kids tend to be just a little funny in their mannerisms sometimes. What about you? Anything? I've had a couple. You know, we were talking <laughs> earlier about the cold water. We had a baptism on Christmas Sunday morning, and the heater went out that weekend, and it was freezing cold water that morning. I'm just glad I wasn't having to get in it that day. A couple other funny things. One time I was in Southeast Asia, helping do a baptism one of their first time it was my first time baptizing in a pond or lake type thing and the guy we start walking into the water and the pastor from there i don't think they had done many baptisms walks out neck deep 
And I'm like, and he was a little bit taller than me anyway. And I'm like, we can't do it out there because we're you're just going to baptize yourself if we get out that far. So I was like, come back. I had to pull him back up to shore. And it's like, we just need to be a little bit over waist deep. It's all we need. So <laughs> we don't have to get all the way out there. Because if you go diving, I'm not going to be able to pull you back up. That's right. Yeah, we don't need uh, we don't need uh, lifeguards running in from the beach uh, to save us. And you know, I will say, I, I you know, we we've done some baptism in lakes before, and I have a fear of swimming with things I can't see. So obviously, that's about every lake and beach you go to. And anytime I start getting out there, I'm like, if something touches my leg or something, I'm gonna. I may do a Pentecostal dance. I may speak in tongues. I'm going to be doing may, some walking on the water, getting back to shore. exactly right. <laughs> so I have to give a disclaimer. If something touches my legs, I'm out. So, but uh, I guess I just need to grow up and uh, be an adult. I'm right there Man, with you on that one. I'm always like, it's, it is not, it's one of my greatest fears. And so uh, I know there's no piranhas in that water, but there's too many movies about it. And I know there's no uh mutant alligator but maybe it could be and so yeah baptisms can be very special and as a chair two leader maybe you don't get to do them often but you know what when you do just be ready uh, think through the logistics of it talk to your pastor about it talk to the families about it and it can be a great moment for your church that's right well we thank you for listening this week hope you got a few tips on doing the next baptism you get to be a part of And we hope you will like and listen to our podcast wherever you listen. Helps others find us and helps uh, them know about Chair 2 Leaders. We hope you have a great week and we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Chair 2 Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates. And make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair 2 Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.